0: On SAFM. <laughs> Welcome back, Athelia, and a very good day to you, Mzansi. Welcome to Otherwise on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. Hazel Makuzeni is our producer, and Albert Claassen is driving our desk today. You may reach us on 0892 102010. Email otherwise at safm.co.za. Tweets at otherwise safm or at Shadow Twala. On our program today, consumer journalist Julie Zungu helps us navigate our way around the Office of the Ombuds. Andre Drozka talks to us about the Johnny Clegg Music and Creative MBA Scholarship offered by the Henley Business School. And finally, we hear about the Deloitte's Women in the Boardroom global survey results from Sudashan Naidu, chair of the Deloitte Women in Leadership Committee. But first, it's Mandela month, and we look at Nelson Mandela's quotes. And I found one for us today, and it says, There is no passion to be found in playing small, in settling for a life that is less than the one you're capable of living.
1: Otherwise, on SAFM.
0: Tuli Zungu is my guest, and she joins us now on the phone. She's a consumer journalist for the Soweto, and she has a column in the Soweto called The Consumer Line. Tuli, hello, Welcome.
1: Uh, hi, Shadow Sister Shadra, I haven't spoken to you in a long time And your listeners uh, I, the afternoon. at I
0: know, I'm glad you could talk to us Because last week you were down with the flu
1: Yeah, it was terrible, eh?
0: It is that time of the year Hey, We need to look after ourselves
1: Yeah, we need to look after ourselves Take those vitamin C's And uh, everything that's possible That is going to help us Take care of any flu or any ailment during this time of the year.
0: Yeah. Now, truly, we often hear about ombudsmen for this, that, and the other. How does the office of the ombud? Any ombud? How do they? How do they run? What are they there for?
1: Oh, we we have a, a, quite a number of the offices of ombudsman. They are created to uh, take off pressure of the courts because you know it has those winding. Um, expensive procedures because, uh, consumers need to get opinions to represent them. But these offices are created to offer a free and a speedy, um, uh, and amicable, um, um, dispute resolution, um, platform for the consumers. And, uh, they act, the Ombudsman, they act as mediators. They don't, uh, they, they, they act like, uh, uh, neutral people, um, who will hear both sides of the story and, and weigh um, the, the, the situation and give um, a, a determination. That determination is um, is not binding on the consumer.
2: Mm-hmm. If the
1: consumer is not happy about the determination that is, is made by the ombudsman, then the consumer can either appeal within the, the offices of the ombudsman because they have their own um, appeal structures, or the consumer can then go outside and approach an attorney to take up their matters.
0: And do all ombudsmen have to have legal background? Is that is that how they are appointed, in whatever uh, capacity uh, within within the different industries?
1: Definitely, they they would need to have uh, the legal background. And um, let me say, for an example, if someone may have a legal background and a financial um background if you have to work in as a as a banking ombudsman for mm-hmm. for an example. Mm-hmm. Or as as a faith ombudsman for an, a faith ombudsman will be a financial intermediary and advisory services ombudsman. That ombudsman it deals let me say for uh, like the middleman, you, you go to a financial advisor, you you tell that financial advisor you have X amount and you want to invest it, um, Somewhere, and uh, this financial advisor gives you um, um, d- d- dishonest advice, or misleads you, or does not disclose any, any 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 problems that you may encounter in invest- investing your money into that uh, desired um, a portfolio. Mm-hmm. Then you can approach a, a financial a, a face ombudsman who deals uh, predominantly with middlemen. And they will then entertain that complaint, and um, in most cases, um, um, the financial advisor would then be liable for any damages that the consumer may have incurred. So, so I, I would imagine that um, financial um, background is required, and also legal um, a legal degree is a requirement.
0: Mm-hmm. And obviously appointed by the 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 the. the
1: The Financial Services
0: Board. Okay. Okay. So it is appointed by the board. But now, what is the procedure? Because when we, we, whoever we're dealing with, because I know the variety of ombudsmen in different um, um, industries. I, I suppose there's, there's even I didn't know there was a dental ombudsman and a municipality ombudsman.
1: Yes, we, we we do have a, a, an, increase, an increasing number of these ombudsman. Uh, if I may just count them or share this information with, with with the listeners, we have the credit ombudsman. I'm sure the credit ombudsman is known for their excellent work of helping people uh, with emolument attachment order, which we call garnish order. If you have the debt collector who repeatedly revives a debt that is overpaid. Mm. Consumers would not know where to go. They get frustrated, and sometimes they'll come to the media when there is an ombudsman that is created to deal with those complaints. Some consumers don't even know that if they are listed with credit bureaus, they can approach the credit ombudsman mm. to have their names removed from the credit bureaus. Uh, The list goes on of the things that they are doing. We also have the tax ombudsman. It's a fairly new uh, ombudsman. It was established sometimes last year. It looks into issues of um, uh, the the manner in which your your tax has been handled and uh, um, if you have been given a fair opportunity to to give all the documents that are required, and etc. We recently sent a complaint to this office, which was about five years old. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: The
1: complainant... Um, was um, charged about six hundred and thirty-five hundred thousand rands. Oh. and yet he, he didn't. Oh, and, uh, and, uh, you know, he earned less than five thousand rands. What had happened there? There was um, an, an error on this consumer's IRP five, hmm. which the taxpayer and uh, which the employer. And the SARS offices could not resolve, mm-hmm. so SARS had also started deleting about a thousand dollars from his salary because this matter was not um, getting any resolution. But the office of the uh, tax ombudsman took up that matter within three within three to four weeks. It was resolved. All the funds that had been deleted from this consumer's account were reversed. So um, yeah, we are having a number of them growing. We also have the offices of the short-term insurance ombuds. It deals with, uh, that, that ombudsman, it will deal with uh, an insurance company that does not want to settle your claim even if you have a valid a valid claim. Mm. Uh, sometimes you get people, uh, Let I'll give you one example. Um, you, you get a caller from, uh, from an insurance company. They're asking you all these questions. You answer yes, no, and da, da, da. And uh, in the end, some of the questions we did not understand that they have legal implication. The latest one, which comes of my, comes to mind, is the one where a consumer was asked if uh, he he had a, a criminal claim, and the consumer did not have a criminal a criminal case, but had a had a civil case, and when declining the the, the cover. That particular insurance said it's because you did not disclose this vital information that mm. you had a, a, a criminal case and uh, or if, uh, you you did not de- disclose the fact that you had a civil case. yet mm. they asked even if you had a criminal one, so it was taken to the short term, to the short term insurance ombudsman, and it was resolved and uh, that consumer was paid.
0: Now um, I'm interested in the municipality ombudsman. I mean, how does that work?
1: Uh, The municipality ombudsman will look into maladministration issues um, if uh, you are billed incorrectly, if your electricity is switched off without prior notification because you have to be notified at least within 14 days that we will switch off your electricity if you don't pay uh, whatever amount you owe. So it will deal with procedure. um, um, uh, The the offices of the... um, municipalities not following the procedures, treating people badly, or when they have attached the property, evicting people without following proper procedures, Mm -hmm. they will be uh, looking into issues like those ones.
0: Okay. And our online ombudsman, that must be a fairly new one, and and, uh, I suppose, you know, it's, it's going to be a very busy office.
1: An online ombudsman. It's not that new. I think it has been uh, around for at least five years because oh, okay. it was previously uh, headed by Advocate uh, Melvin Neville, mm-hmm. who is now the uh, the ombudsman for the good, uh, uh consumer goods and services.
0: Okay,
1: um, it deals with uh, you know when people are um, having like their disputes. You you're insulting each other online and, uh, it, 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 it's a number of those kind of, um, of communication. It's, it, it, addresses address cyberspace attacks.
3: Mm, and, mm.
1: Uh, those attacks are normally resolved amicably because, you, you, you know, it, it, could be someone from, uh, here in, in Gauteng and someone overseas. Mm. And, uh, yeah, um, it, 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 it normally deals with those kind of issues. I don't know if uh, that. um,
0: No, you you help you help there quite a bit. So, what's the procedure before approaching any of these uh, uh, of these offices? Do you Um, do you deal with your 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 immediate uh, issue first? Let's say it is uh, uh, my insurance uh, company. Do I go to them first, lodge my claim, and when I fail there or I don't succeed, then I approach the ombudsman, or do I go to the ombudsman directly?
1: Um, uh, these offices, they normally encourage consumers to deal with the service provider first before Mm -hmm. they could approach the the, the offices of the ombudsman. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's an exception with the offices of the tax ombudsman because they say if your issue is compelling, you can approach them directly without dealing with... uh, with, with maybe let me say, SARS for an example, you can go straight to them mm-hmm. before you can follow all these procedures. But the rest of these, uh, all of these, uh, of these ombuds office offices, they would encourage uh, consumers to approach uh, the service provider, uh, the motor dealer, and have a dossier of the communication, keep things in writing to show that at least you have uh, you have tried to resolve this complaint on your own. And uh, the service provider has not been willing to listen to your complaint, or has been fobbing you off, or just frustrating the whole process because they know that within a period of three years your complaint will prescribe, and you will not even take it uh, through the legal procedures or have someone served on 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 them to to stop the prescription from running. Um, you you would need, as a consumer, to keep all of this information because these offices, they look into an unfair business practice as well, how this matter has been handled. Mm -hmm. Um, They also subscribe to the principle of treat customer fairly and they would ask service providers if this consumer has been treated fairly and uh, try and resolve the problem um, uh, amicably. But consumers need to approach their services provider then. Go to an alternative uh, dispute resolution agent or an ombudsman for that industry.
0: And and when do people come to you, too? Because you've mentioned quite a few uh, that have come to your office as the uh, the consumer line, and they've come yeah. to you. It, did they come to you because it's quicker, I suppose, when, when the media is involved, or is it just a, a, a I suppose, uh, when people don't have the information of where to go, they're frustrated and you become the next person to come to.
1: Yeah, you know, they they would come to our offices. Sometimes even after they've just experienced uh, the hardship within the first week because they may have read an article which is similar to their experiences and then they'll come to us and say, Hey, Tuli, I saw you've written about this, uh, that, that, that again, and, um, I'm having a, a similar complaint, and mm-hmm. I haven't been paid mm-hmm. when, uh, when the maybe the road accident fund has not even paid that particular attorney. Mm -hmm. And one one will then say, okay, go to the road accident fund, find out if the attorney has been paid. You may be accusing this attorney wrongfully. Mm -hmm. And we would also give them guidance where to go, how to do some of these things before we can take up their matter. They do come to our offices because of of the maybe publicity we, of, we, we are in a business of selling news, but we, we also need to be uh, responsible when we, when we do, do mm-hmm. that and not defame people. So we, we, we would then advise people because the column like it is three-pronged. We expose any unfair business practice. We uh, help resolve consumer complaints and we educate consumers mm-hmm. uh, on how to stay clear of any problems. So consumers, they have a choice. They would choose um, who to approach because um, in in, in these um, uh, newspapers are recognized as an alternative dispute resolution agent. So they would take that opportunity and approach uh, the newspaper.
0: Does one pay for the services of an ombudsman?
1: No, the service is free. They don't have to pay anything. Unless, let me say they take, uh, it's a, uh, they, they go on appeal, or it's a frivolous, uh, it's a frivolous case. Uh, the, the the consumers are are required to pay for the appeal processes, not for the um, the initial service that an ombudsman is offering them.
0: What, give us an example of a frivolous case.
1: Um, may, maybe I, I'm, I'm sure I can think of any. <laughs> <It, it, laughs> <laughs> It's a a complaint that should not have been taken to that office in the first place. Mm. There are consumers who, when you tell the consumer that you don't have a leg to to stand on, and then the consumer persists, I have a claim, and just that I don't, I I, I can't think of like... I hear you. Yeah.
0: I I hear you, I hear you. Okay, stay on the line for me, Tulu, please. We're going to take a little break and come back uh, to talk to you again. Otherwise, on SAFM. My guest is Tuli Zungo. She is the consumer journalist for the Sowetan. Tuli, I want to believe that, and, and, and really I must tell our, our listeners that we're talking about, Tuli helping us navigate the offices of, of, of the ombudsman. Uh, Tuli, the most important one, I think, I mean, I've heard a lot about the press ombudsman. He gets a lot of work directed at him. But I would guess that the next best one uh, is, is the pension fund adjudicator.
1: Yes, the pension funds adjudicator is um, is loaded with a number of complaints because uh, we have consumers who um, are, are battling to get uh, the, their pension funds paid by the, uh, the the administrators who are administering their pension funds, mm-hmm. and some of the consumers they would argue um, things like. Um, there are marriages that are not are not recognised. There's a recent case that had to deal with some Sharia Sharia law, mm-hmm. where uh, you know, uh, like Hindu, some some of the the, the, the Hindu marriages are not recognised as valid marriage. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the pension uh, fund adjudicator was dealing with that particular case where the pension uh, fund administrator was saying, no, this woman is not entitled. To, to to get any any payment from the spouse because they were married but they were not married in the first place mm. and with the assistance of the pension fund adjudicator they they dissected the the the, 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 the 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 pension fund act they they explained it, they refined it and that woman was eventually paid so they would deal with technicalities a number of these technicalities and who benefits from 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 the fund who is a dependent of the deceased person. Mm. And you get a situation where uh, your, your your partner has a, a, a sidekick, um, has a, a girlfriend somewhere, mm. and is supporting this girlfriend, paying this girlfriend, or depositing money into this girlfriend's account every month, and you are here, here at home, uh, you don't know about this relationship, and then when the husband dies, then boom, this woman comes along, and she claims as, as a beneficiary as well, because your spouse, have been paying her every month and if the pension fund, the office of the pension fund can establish that that woman was dependent on your spouse for benefit or to, for, 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 for a living, then they would award that woman a portion of the pension fund, depending on the circumstances. If she can prove it, uh, then she would benefit. If she cannot, then she will not benefit anything and um the, the, it deals with a number of issues that mm-hmm. the, they deal with a number of issues the kids if uh, they cannot be located within twelve months, what should be done? We have an institution that refuse to pay even if they they cannot trace additional dependents of of the uh, of the deceased person it does handle a number of complaints and uh, um and the other office that maybe uh may be receiving an avalanche of complaints is that of the goods uh consumer goods and services ombuds because it takes off the load of the national credit um uh, the national uh, commission national consumer commission office it mm-hmm. is yeah it is receiving most of those complaints um it they they can vary from uh, gowns, photo, of uh, pornographic downloads. After a computer has been taken for repairs, uh, people have been complaining to the office about a number of things: broken television screens. They have been complaining about wrongful advertisements. They have been complaining.
0: Uh, oh, I need, I need post- their number. I need their number, too. I need. Um, <laughs> I've got a similar complaint.
1: You, you've got a similar complaint. Yes.
0: Yeah, so um, I- I okay. need that number. So this okay. is a consumer goods and services ombudsman?
1: Yeah, it's a consumer goods and services ombudsman. It it receives an, a, a number of complaints. Some people like um one one example the case that I came across a, a case study that they did. This consumer goes to a shop and um the service provider wrongfully plays um a, a, a kind of a television um uh, let me let me give it a, it's a Samsung uh, Samsung Care, um, uh, it's selling for fifty-six thousand rands, but they wrongfully say it's five thousand six hundred rands. Mm-hmm. And obviously, no one is going to to, to sell to sell a Care Samsung for five thousand six hundred rands. It's 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 that it's amount, it, um, it's value, it's as high as 50, 50, 50, 56,000 rands. Mm-hmm. And um, the you know, it's balancing uh, issues and weighing all. All the circumstances and, um, the consumer did not win with that one because, um, no one can sell um, a, a, a TV, a, a Samsung Care for as little as $5,000. And they would balance issues and, and, and check if, um, the service provider, not only this, if, the, if, if the case warrants, uh, to be, to be taken or to be ruled in favor of the consumer, and if it is not, and it's in the favor of the service provider, then it will be. You know, get, uh, consumers would want to take a chance and go to a shop and tell um, uh, the service provider, I no longer have my receipt and does not even have anything to, to trace how, mm-hmm. where and how mm-hmm. he, bought, mm-hmm. he bought the goods and demand an exchange or a refund of those goods. And um, they, they would look into those cases. We are having criminal activities, people are stealing from shops, and taking things back to the shop, uh, yeah. to, to, to the shops without any proof. Um, and if there is no proof, Ombudsman will listen to those complaints and see the circumstances that led you to losing mm. the receipt if you have lost it at all. But if you have any other proof, like your uh, EFT uh, proof or any other thing that can support that you bought your goods from that institution, yes, you can take up or you can, you can try your luck and want a refund mm. from a shop without producing any receipt but to, um, to get those kind of of, of, of complaints um yeah, you know we've
0: run out of time sweetie i can't believe we? that we have you know can you can you believe that We've run out of time. Um, In fact, I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to ask us to talk to you again and and closer because we missed last week. But I think it's it's actually quite a huge subject. I wanted to know about expiry dates for lodging complaints, for lodging claims, and all of those kinds of things. But we will continue on the subject the next time we talk to you.
1: Okay, um, and the telephone. I have the share call um, number for the consumer Goods and Services. Ombudsman. That's
0: fine. That's fine, Sweetie. We'll we'll go online and find it. But thank you so much okay. for talking to us.
1: Thank My you favor. so much. Have a um,
0: lovely day. Um, you too. Uh, Tuli's number is zero double one two eight zero three zero eight six. If you'd like to have further conversation with her, but for now, I'd like to welcome back Sir Othilia Sako for news headlines. Otherwise, on SAFM. Adri Drotsky is the MBA director at Henley Business School, and she joins me now on the line because they announced the Henley, uh, of the Johnny Clegg Creative MBA Scholarship. Adri, hello, welcome. Hi, good afternoon. I'm very excited about the scholarship.
2: Yes, uh, we have been um, awarding scholarships uh, to students um, uh, in the past uh, few. Uh, MBA programs, and we are also very excited um, to be offering all these scholarships and give um, students the opportunity to also do um, an MBA, and also to do the MBA that is specifically um, uh, made for the music and creative industries.
0: I'd like to come back to that, but firstly, the most exciting thing is that there is a growth in the number of female MBA students.
2: Yes, absolutely. We are also very excited about that. Um, We have, at the moment, uh, about 42% of uh, the students being female. Um, It's the highest that it's ever been. And we're definitely heading towards a 50-50 between men and women. Um, And also, interestingly, if you look at the partners of the students, Um, We are uh, moving more to a situation where it's more likely um, that the partners are men and not women, as in the past.
0: Mm -hmm. But what what precipitates this growth?
2: Well, um, I personally think that women um, want to succeed in business. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also uh, start their own businesses, um, and they work uh, a lot in the community, and all of this, I uh, need some business knowledge, and mm-hmm. they want to further their um, qualifications. Um, women are also very quality conscious, uh, so we always find that um, they go for top qualifications, and they really want to to go uh, for a big effort to to get a good qualification behind their name, so that they can exceed or succeed in business.
0: Now why is an MBA as important as it is? I know everybody's offering MBAs. Is it still effective to have it? what changes does it make in your career? Because I know you one of 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 the world's top 50 business schools, but what sets you apart from the rest? I know I'm I'm asking 101 questions in one. But you know, just tell us a story about the importance of an MBA, and of an NBA, but most specifically, what what you are good at that nobody else seems to get.
2: I think uh, students these days uh, or, or working people um, get to a point in their career where they want to further their knowledge um, and and expand it um, to a wider um, field of all the areas of business. And in that case, um, an MBA is still the ideal qualification. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have specialized in a certain field and you get to a point where you are now focusing on management, you also want to uh, further your leadership skills, mm-hmm. um, personal development,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, then this is a, a very good qualification to, to still have. Um, what distinguishes the Henley MBA? Um, this is a flexible um, executive MBA. So um, we put flexibility into it um, that you can do it in in your uh, time. You can do it part-time. It's very applied. It's very practical with a lot of focus on personal development. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also an international qualification Mm -hmm. uh, that attracts a lot of people where it gives you some job mobility. Um, People can return back to South Africa with greater skills. And then, very importantly, we call this a family-friendly MBA. Mm -hmm. Uh, We put a lot of focus on um, this balance that you need to have between your work Mm. and your studies and your family. And we involve the partners um, of our um, students as well as their families um, to also be part of this. Um, So, at heart, it's actually a family achievement uh, when you get this qualification. Uh, We have events here at Henley where we invite the whole family and we entertain the children while uh, the, the partners and the students are um, listening to talks that's family-friendly related. us, family is very important and I think from a woman's side, um, it gives you some comfort to know that it's not only a harsh business reality, the family is also included.
0: I like the fact that you're planting the seed as well with the young ones, as they see their parents at, yeah, you know, studying. You know, they, they get encouraged and they understand the need for further education. Yes. Yes. Now, I mean, again, let's go back to the Johnny Clare Creative MBA Scholarship. Now, how does one qualify for that? And uh, I, I want to say congratulations to Naima McLean for, for being selected and for, for, for winning this one.
2: Yes, yes. We're also very proud uh, of, of her and the achievement, um, and it is wonderful to have her uh, in the, the MBA uh, group um, that started this year.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we have uh, various scholarships. Um, we have the Johnny Clegg Scholarship um, that is uh, offered to us uh, by Johnny Clegg. We also have an African Euro Scholarship. We have a Dean Scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody who applies for the MBA um can also apply for the scholarship. Okay. We then look at their achievements and uh, what they do um in terms of work. Um, mo- many of our scholarships also have a very strong community involvement um and they they really are a whole person who um you know who can can contribute mm. in South Africa and in Africa. so um that is how we we then determine and who gets the scholarship.
0: Which comes first, your application for an MBA or application for the scholarship?
2: Uh, yes, it, they, they go together. When you apply for the MBA, you can also apply for the scholarship.
0: Okay. So, so um, you know, I, I, I really would like to encourage more more and more young ladies because I I, I love I the fact that the numbers are growing. And, of course, we, we it means then we can... Run our own businesses, but not only that. Run big corporations, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, we have uh, a very good mix um, in in this year's scholarships, and I must say that um, three of them uh, went to ladies. Um, we have uh, Naema, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, who is an actress and a singer. Then we have um, another lady who um, is is um, in a in a big corporate. Um, but also very involved in um, in community side, mm-hmm. um, looking at teenage pregnancy projects. Um, so uh, we, you know, we have people who, who come from both uh, corporate and um, the NGO side working with projects.
0: Well, that's that's just so encouraging to hear. That's a very good story. To, to be told. So will will you give us your details, please, and all the Henley's details, so people can find more information either on your website or maybe by communicating with with one of your administrators.
2: Any time um you you are welcome to uh either send an email to info at nsa dot or um, the, the general uh, telephone number is 011 mm-hmm. 808. Yes. 0860. 0860. Yes. Well, Adri- and you are welcome to contact us and talk to anybody of the MBA team, and we will assist them in the going forward. Uh, the applications are open for next year. And and when does your year begin? Um, our first intake is in March next.
0: Oh, fantastic.
2: Adrienne, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. It was nice talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: That's info at henleysa.ac.za. You may send an email uh, if you want to find out more information or call 011-808-0860. And congratulations to Naima McLean, who got um, the Johnny Clegg, uh, music and Creative MBA Scholarship awarded to her Now when we come back Sudesha Naidu is the chair Of the Deloitte Women in Leadership And they did a survey And it's called the Deloitte Woman in the Boardroom Global Survey We'll find out about those results after this Otherwise On SAFM Sudesha Naidu, hello, welcome to Otherwise
3: Hello, Shadow. Good afternoon, Shadow, and good afternoon to the listeners.
0: Now, you've just done this boardroom global survey, uh, women in the boardroom global survey. Why was it important to do that survey in the first place?
3: Well, the reason it was important, Shadow, is to understand the representation of women in the
0: boardroom globally
3: uh, and to get a perspective of how the advancement of women in leadership positions is progressing.
0: And why, again, is it important to have women in the boardroom?
3: Well, for various reasons, but I mean, the key reason why it's important to have women in the boardroom is research has found that companies that include women at top levels of leadership Mm -hmm. tend to outperform those that don't. In addition, research has found that the consumer power, more consumer power is in the hands of women recently, and companies that fail to recruit and retain women ensure that they have a pathway to leadership undermine their long-term competitiveness.
0: And what did you find by your survey?
3: So the survey was obviously conducted uh, globally. It covered 6,000 companies in 49 countries across the globe. And globally, it was found that 12% of board seats are held by women and 4% of boards are chaired by women. And that was in terms of the global result.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So, so, So more and more women are chairing as opposed to being involved because if you sit on a board... You, do you have less power than the chairperson uh, as, as a woman?
3: Well, I think the chairperson obviously holds the ultimate power in a boardroom uh, scenario, so mm-hmm. having more women chairing boards is obviously the where we want to ultimately go to.
0: Okay, as opposed to just being in, especially yes. in large companies, right? Or,
3: Absolutely. And,
0: yeah, go ahead.
3: No, just in terms of decision making. Mm-hmm. Uh, having women on boards is a great advancement, but we want more women to chair boards and have the authority to make decisions in, in those scenarios.
0: And and what about governments? Did it involve governments as well, or was it just in the corporate world?
3: Well, this particular survey survey was particularly in the corporate world. It wasn't sort of uh, in parastatals and state owned enterprises. However, a survey that the Business Women Association of South Africa conducted in 2015 did cover state-owned enterprises as well.
0: And and, and what did we find? Because, you know, I, I suppose South Africa is still one of the top uh, countries, especially in, in government and parliament, to, to, to have a, a large number of women.
3: Yes. Uh, I mean, if we look at – well, if I take that back to the global survey that Deloitte ran, I mean, South Africa – Ranked very well in, in terms of, in the corporate scenario, we ranked fourth highest in the world for our appointments of women to chair boards mm. and ninth place in terms of our percentage of board seats occupied by women. But if we look at the, the business women survey that was conducted, that survey did find, I mean, it was only 25% or more of director positions in the, in the of, which is 34 companies of 293, have women in leadership positions. Mm-hmm. The state-owned enterprises in that survey uh, indicated that there's improved representation in state-owned companies by women and in the public sector.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell me about the countries that are doing better than us as, as far as, um, and I'm, I'm talking South Africa specifically, better than us as far as having women uh, in, in boardrooms and especially as chairs, are you able to identify those, and how far behind are we as South Africa?
3: Well, if we look at, if we sort of separate it in terms of a percentage of boards that are chaired by women, the countries that are doing better than us seem to be uh, sort of your European countries, like Italy, Norway, and Austria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in terms of percentage of uh, board seats held by women and just not chairing, it's mostly your Scandinavian-type countries and that seem to have higher percentages than South Africa.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, what about the continent itself, the African continent? Uh,
3: in, in terms of the African continent, uh, uh, the study didn't sort of do a comparison of specifically how we compare to the rest of the African continent. But uh, I, uh, yeah, that research wasn't covered specifically, so it's difficult for me to comment ah, on
0: that. Okay, but do we know which industries are more open to having females as, as, as chairing their, their boards or as members? Well,
3: if we look at South Africa, it seems to be the technology, media, and telecommunications industry Mm
0: -hmm. that has
3: the highest percentage of women on boards.
0: So how do we... And we look at globally,
3: sorry, it seems Mm -hmm. to be the consumer business industry, Mm -hmm. just to give you a, a comparative.
0: So how do we encourage those other industries to open themselves up to the idea of having women on their boards?
3: Well, well, I think it's, uh, aside from being an industry-wide, it's a uh, Mm business-wide imperative. And like I mentioned earlier, I mean, in terms of proving that it ultimately benefits a company's bottom line, having women in leadership positions, it's, it's a benefit across all industries. And in order to do that, one needs to look at, obviously, attracting and retaining women, into organisations and understanding the challenges that they face, so we can retain them into the organisation.
0: Mm. And it's also really an empowerment strategy, right? To to not only focus on women, but also on on, on I suppose uh, historically disadvantaged people, but but young people as well as as, as disabled people.
3: Oh, absolutely! It's, it's it's a wider imperative. It's not just
0: gender. Mm. Well, Sadasha, thank you so much uh, for talking to us. And hopefully we'll catch up with you and and have a, a bigger and larger conversation about uh, looking at de- other detailed industries and how they can open up, but also just the work that's being done within you know within those boards by women because just being there I suppose is just not enough. There has to be a collective strategy. What women are there to do?
3: No, absolutely, and, and it's about having a wider strategy to to sort of advance women in the organization once you're at the board level. It's about paying it forward and allowing women into the organization and advancing them, and mm-hmm. allowing them the opportunities.
0: Well, Sudasha, thank you so much for your time.
3: Thank you, Shadir, and thank you to your listeners.
0: You take care now, Sudasha now Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Chairman of the Deloitte Women in Leadership Committee, I think that's a very important uh, discussion to be ha- held further. But it is Mandela month, I thought, before our children's program, we, we could uh, get a song by Yusun Doe from Nelson Mandela.